You're listening to Season 3 of IVF Tales, The Tale Teller Takeover. Hi, I'm Ashley. I'm really quite excited to be here today to share my IVF experience and journey. I guess if I had have told myself three years ago or five years ago even that this is where I would be and this is the road that we would have to go down to have a family of our own, I don't think I would have believed it. I don't think I would have wanted to admit it. But here we are. Um, We are currently in cycle three. I have four days until my pregnancy blood test. Um, And we actually had one successful round of IVF and we have a daughter. I have a little one-year-old named Jade and she is just an absolute little miracle. My husband, who is also named Ashley, so we are Ashley and Ashley, Um, We joked a lot about also naming our daughter Ashley. (laughs) Um, Not sure how that would have gone down, but it would have been quite funny to all be named Ashley. But together, we are on this journey. It's a journey that I think many people don't anticipate that they would be on. Um, I definitely didn't anticipate that this is what I would be on or how we would have to move forward with starting our family and building upon our family but I'm actually in a place where I'm quite accepting of it now looking back to when we first started to create our family in March 2018 we thought it was a simple choice of just going off the pill (laughs) I remember um, having a conversation with my husband one afternoon saying that you know we actually need to make an active choice to have a family. Like I'm currently on the pill. We're actively avoiding pregnancy at the moment. So if this is something we want, we need to decide that this is what we're doing and make an active choice and lifestyle changes in this. So March 2018, that's what we did. I went off the pill um, and downloaded like all the apps <laughs> to try and find out about my cycle and I guess I was kind of mind blown a little bit that I wasn't aware of these things and I wasn't aware of how my body was actually working and the minimal amount of days that we would have to conceive and attempt to fall pregnant but we did we kept trying um I learned a lot about my body we were those ones who were saying we're not trying like we're trying without trying um meanwhile I was tracking everything I was on the app every day um monitoring my temperature in the morning taking ovulation test sticks um and my husband was very much just cruising along for the ride a little bit oblivious to all of the planning that I was trying to do behind the scenes while we were trying without trying. Um, As many people I've I've talked to over the years, it seems to be quite a common thing that people will say they're trying without trying, but they are actually putting in steps in place to, to get there. I think when you decide you want to have a family, it becomes a bit of a, a takeover of your life in ways. 
So we we tried from March 2018 and ended up falling pregnant in October. So there was quite a few months there um, that we were a little bit disappointed when my period came, but were hopeful. And um, the day that we found out we were pregnant was a bit of a whirlwind day, though. It was the same day that we actually found out um, my husband's brother had sadly passed away. So it was a really big, really big day. Lots of emotions going on. And it was a really big few weeks there, actually. It was quite hard to mourn the loss of my brother-in-law and also be really excited that we were pregnant. Um, At that time, it didn't feel like it took all that much effort. We were enjoying lovemaking and making this baby. Um, So it was just a really, really hard experience. Um, Sadly, that pregnancy, though, I remember having really, really bad pains probably two weeks or so after we found out we're pregnant. So at this time, I was probably about six weeks, nearly seven weeks long. Um, Absolutely excruciating pain and calling like online doctors to see what was going on. Some of them seemed to kind of dismiss it. Um, But I ended up getting in with my doctor who had booked me in for an ultrasound just to double check um, how we were tracking and that poor ultrasound technician's face I remember it just completely dropping she's like hi I just need to just need to go and get my colleague for a moment and they came back into the room and told me I need to urgently go to the hospital I kind of had no idea what was happening at the moment my husband was at work because we thought it wasn't too much of a big deal so I rang him and made my way to the hospital Um, He ended up meeting me there a while later and we found out that we're actually having an ectopic pregnancy. So as excited as we were to be having this baby, we were also losing this baby. Um, I just, I couldn't really wrap my head around it. I was really thankful um, that the surgery was quick and I got to spend the night in the hospital in my own room but I remember waking up and just being completely devastated and thinking to myself, I just want my baby. And in this weird way, I was picturing like my fallopian tube and this tiny little baby inside of it just tossed into the bin in the surgery room. And it was really, really quite hard to deal with. And I think I cried a lot that night, crying for the loss of my baby and crying for the loss of my brother-in-law as well. It was a big letdown. And I think for the few weeks and few months after that, I felt really, really quite alone. I never expected that we would fall pregnant quite so easily. Well, I thought it would just it would just happen. Didn't really think too much of it. But I definitely did not expect that we would ever lose a pregnancy. So for our very first time falling pregnant, to lose that and to lose that in such a dramatic way that I also lost my left fallopian tube and had to be removed in the surgery, um, I just, I was completely gutted. I felt like my chances to fall pregnant had instantly been cut in half. Um, Surprisingly, not though. They say um, your fallopian tubes work in a really amazing way that 
they will float around. So rather than having one floating knee left and one knee right ovary and catching the eggs that drop from those, now we're only having one. My right fallopian tube kind of picks up the slack and it will float and grab eggs that are being released from either ovary. So that was really great information to hear. I, um, yeah, like I said, I remember being really quite alone in this time. Um, I didn't find many people that understood it. I was, I was quite open about this at the time. I had to have obviously time off for the surgery and we'd have time off for Ryan's uh, funeral, my brother-in-law's funeral. Um, so I was quite open with my work, my workmates and families who I was involved with working in early childhood education around what had happened and why it was kind of hard for me to return. Working with children while having lost my own was very difficult. It was great to see many people were understanding, but I also still felt very alone. I found myself going to women's circles, which were a great, great, wonderful experience going in with a group of women having your moment to share what you're going through what's happening in your mind in an open vulnerable and accepting place was exactly what I needed you often find when you lose a baby or you're struggling with infertilities some people don't know how to talk about it with you and you want to talk about it and you need to talk about it no matter how early a pregnancy loss is it's still a loss and it still hurts. Um, It was really interesting comparing that loss to my brother-in-law. In In a way, they felt really quite similar. This man that I had known for many, many years who I loved and was grieving, I, and compared to my baby who I'd known of for three, maybe four weeks and I'd lost and barely known, I still loved and grieved for in a very similar way although in a very different way as well. So women's circles for me were a really great connection to community and people who would just sit and needed to share in a safe way. So moving on then to May 2019, um, my husband and I got married. So we went from having the same first name to the same last name as well. (laughs) Um, We... I remember thinking on our honeymoon flying over to Tasmania that, oh, imagine if I'm pregnant. This will be the baby's first plane ride. Little did I know, we actually fell pregnant on our wedding night. I had a little bit of spotting um, on our honeymoon and just had this inkling that I should buy a pregnancy test. And I did. And it was really very exciting. It felt like a bit of a fairy tale to naturally fall pregnant on your wedding night like that baby was made with pure love there was nothing more than love on that day and a baby was created we went to our six-week scan Um, my mum came with me at that time and we were able to see the heartbeat it was really really amazing because with our first pregnancy, we didn't get to that point. So to see a little heartbeat on the screen made me feel a lot more at ease. Even though I was, part of me was still really quite scared of losing again, I talked myself into having this mindset of, 
I can either be really scared for the entire pregnancy and not enjoy a lot of it because I'm too terrified of losing another baby and experiencing that pain and that grief again. Or I can just try to enjoy it and I can enjoy it for as long as it lasts. And we were able to enjoy that pregnancy up until our 12-week scan. We thought we were hitting a massive milestone getting to that 12-week scan. Unfortunately, when we, the ultrasound technician, had the ultrasound wand on my belly, there was nothing really there. I remember looking at my husband and his face just was completely broken. He went pale as a ghost and was just numb. Um, So we had lost that pregnancy unknowingly and it was devastating, absolutely devastating to think that we were there and excited to be reaching the end of our first trimester, to being told that pregnancy is not viable and my body was naturally miscarrying. I think I recall having a little bit of bleeding and actually we did. We had a little bit of bleeding and spoke to our doctor. He said it's nothing really to be concerned about. Um, Everything else is tracking fine. HGC levels are great. Uh, But we ended up going to the hospital, waiting around. They didn't do an ultrasound when we went to the hospital. They just took my bloods and my HGC levels at that time seemed okay. Seemed to be tracking along compared to what they were. But yeah, we got to that 12-week scan and we were were broken, absolutely broken. The worst thing about that loss, obviously losing the baby was really hard, but I was physically that one in four that miscarried. Myself, my sister-in-law and two workmates were also pregnant and due within days of each other. We were meant to be due in January 2020. So to lose our baby at 12 weeks and to then have it in our life and I guess in our face day by day, week by week, seeing these other mums' bellies grow amazingly and my not was so, created so much envy and jealousy in me I I struggled a lot with the mix of emotions. I was really excited for them and still happy for them and very, very thankful that they had not experienced what we had experienced. But at the same time, I was really jealous and really, really envious. It was hard. It was hard to lose your baby and see other people being pregnant so close around you. You very quickly, when the moment you find out you're pregnant, your mind skips ahead and it's terribly hard not to let it skip ahead to when's your due date how old will baby be at this time who will be your little mother's group and how will those children grow up together it's really hard not to let that happen and then when you're that's ripped from you it's heartbreaking so that was our second loss we ended up having a another early miscarriage around November 2019 We took a pregnancy test and a blood test. HGC levels were there, um, but they were a little bit low. So we were booked in for another one maybe a week later. Um, They really weren't progressing much. Um, 
So that pregnancy ended up not progressing along. My husband and I had many, many discussions about it, thinking at what point do we admit that we need help now? So this is just over a year with three losses. Obviously, something isn't working well within our bodies and being able to keep pregnancies is what we thought was the issue then. Um, so we we kept trying in my mind and I kept saying to him, I'm like, I want to have a baby naturally. I had this thing about I want to make love to make a baby. I think I was holding on to that fact that we fell pregnant on our wedding night and I wanted to hold on to that and continue with love and I couldn't comprehend having any interventions or any support along the way. I just wanted my body to work. But my husband, in one of those conversations, we were we were tossing up, like if we couldn't have a baby naturally making love, then could we adopt? Um, and I don't think that that was something that would be right for us right now. I think after having a baby, I am definitely more open to adopting. Um, but in my in my mind, I just really wanted to experience pregnancy and birthing a baby myself. That's a really, really big part of mine. In a way, it's a bit of a, a bucket list thing. I wanted to experience pregnancy and birth. And if I didn't experience that by the time I was a little old lady, I would feel like I missed out on one of the greatest things in life. But my husband put it to me this way, that the the moment that you're holding your baby in your arms, will you really care how we got there or how, how they got there, whether that was through adoption or through interventions like IVF? And that that touched my soul. <laughs> I, um, the thought of just holding my baby, I was like, yep, you're right. It's, that's going to be enough. So then we started our appointments with the doctors. I think we started with the GP who referred us on to an OB locally. We, we had a lot of tests done with our um, general practitioner, doctor. He was really great trying to get ahead of the ball, knowing that the OB would then be asking for these tests as well. So we had AMH tests done, um, sperm tests done, I can't even remember all the names of them, but there were a lot of tests and a lot of them were really quite frustrating because we had to have them on certain days of your cycle. So we had to have one day one of your period and then day five and then day seven. And where we live, a lot of uh, pathology places aren't open on Sundays and they're only open at very limited times on Saturdays. So we had a few months where we'd lined up and we'd, I'd get my period on like Saturday afternoon. So nowhere was open. And I naively didn't check with the OB or our doctor if I could have just had the test on Monday. I just kind of thought, well, well, this month's gone. That's wasted. We're done. So the same thing happened for a few months. Um, it'd be like day one or day three or whatever day we had to have a test that would line up with a day that the pathology place was closed and me stupidly, naively not checking if I could just have it done the day later, assuming that it had to be done on that day. So it took a really long time. I think we ended up having tests and going through. I had a high cozy 
um, to check my one little fallopian tube there to see if that was okay. I've heard a lot of people saying that hycrosis are really quite uncomfortable, but I didn't find it too bad. It was invasive, but I was I was okay with it. I was happy to just kind of have whatever tests that we could. But it was a lot of tests. <laughs> we ended up swapping OBs because I wasn't comfortable with one and they were just pushing test after test after test. And I'm like, okay, so what next? Like, can you just refer us on to an IVF clinic? And she's like, no, like we're just going to do some more tests. So I was a bit over it. I just wanted, at that point, I was a little bit more open to going down through IVF and I just wanted to, I just wanted to move on. I didn't want to keep having all of these tests. I just wanted to start IVF. So we changed OBs who did want to do a few more tests as well. Uh, But then we actually ended up finding a bulk billing IVF clinic who was happy to accept us just with a JB, uh, J, general practitioner, doctor um, recommendation. So we jumped on it. We're like, why not? What can we lose? Um, It's not costing us an absolute fortune. Let's do it. So this brings us to early 2022. We started our IVF appointments. Um, At this time, things were really still um, a lot more online since COVID in the world. And we had our first appointments virtual with the IVF doctor. She was really lovely and she booked us in for a few more tests or we had sent her a lot of the tests that um, the two OBs had completed. A lot of them she was happy with that information that was provided there. So we didn't have to go down too many more appointments and blood tests. We were able to start. Um, But that still took quite a few months to get into there. We ended up starting our very first IVF round in October of 2022. I was really, really hopeful uh, that it would work, but I was also open to the fact that we may have to do many rounds. I tried to make the most of many things in life at the moment to make this work. I had started doing acupuncture uh, weekly, multiple times a week, actually. I was seeing an acupuncturist I was trying to drink so much more water. I'm terrible at drinking water. And actually, I should say, uh, from our all of our blood tests and scans and things and sperm, um, semen analysis, it turned out my husband's uh, semen was absolutely fine. He had no issues. Uh, whereas it appeared that I had a low AMH reading. Uh, my eggs quality aren't great and I don't have many eggs and so it was really quite great to understand that's probably why we had lost pregnancies or had had trouble falling pregnant again over the years it was great to have an answer as to why and they also found out that I don't naturally produce a, a thick enough lining to hold a pregnancy so you imagine when you've got your little embryo on board 
um, and it implants into your uterus. It implants into the lining of your uterus. So it needs a really thick, lovely padding there to hold onto it tightly um, and let it grow strong. Whereas I don't create that thick enough lining. Mine's really quite thin, which makes sense as to why we've lost pregnancies. They just haven't held on well. Um, so it was great, really great to have an understanding. And that made me feel a lot more accepting going into IVF that I needed this. We need to find those good eggs that I do have and create a really good thick lining for them to hold on to. I also did a lot of self-work. I was working with a really great company that was doing a lot of mental health, well-being, wholehearted journeys, um, helping you with your mindset around just life in general and work struggles and stresses. That kind of changed my life for the better. My husband and I started having really great conversations and opening up and being really accepting to each other's emotions and journeys and that it's okay that we don't feel the same. It's okay that we both think differently and actually having conversations around these things and really being honest with how we're feeling. Um, so I actually took a big step down from work as well. I was managing and directing a childcare centre and decided to take a step down to be back on the floor working with the children and minimising the stress within my life while we were undergoing IVF. I got to a point where I thought something needs to give. Um, it's either going to be our relationship or it's going to be my work. So I dropped work and focused on family and that's where our relationship got really quite strong because we were focusing on that we were focusing on building our family so October 2022 IVF my gosh those first needles how scary I I could not have done them on my own we had to every night husband would be down on his knees putting those needles in my belly I remember they hurt a lot as well. I don't know if it was a, a mental thing or they physically actually hurt. It was like you could feel like a burning of the medication being injected into the skin. But they hurt. And I just, I dreaded them each day. But persevered through. And I got up to see sunrise every morning that month. Reflecting and kind of, I don't know. I will sound too hippie by saying manifesting my baby. Um, but I was I was trying to just be there in the moment and trying to be really hopeful that this would work. We ended up being successful. Um, it was a bit of a surprise. I'd kind of gotten to the point where I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like all those needles, they hurt, but they really weren't that bad. Like I was willing and accepting to jump into another round of IVF straight away. I was like, yep, that wasn't too bad. Let's do it again. But we didn't need to. We were pregnant. Um, it was a hard pregnancy. I, oh my gosh, I ended up having HG, hypermesis gradium. I can never say that properly, but I ended up having HG. So I was really, really sick, really nauseous, vomiting every day, constantly barely able to keep much food down, um, living on nausea tablets, which I actually ended up being anaphylactic to. So here I was about 20 weeks pregnant, 
popping another nausea tablet in because I wasn't eating or needed to not vomit for a moment. Um, And my tongue started to swell up. And I was like, oh, this is not good. I was talking to my friend on the phone at the time. I'm like, I gotta go. Like, my tongue's swelling. I can't talk. And I took an antihistamine and it seemed to go down. The next day, same thing kind of happened again. And it ended up progressing so much. I went over to my mum's one afternoon and on the drive over there, my tongue was swelling up. My jaw was clenching, clenching. My jaw was clenching. And I was like, Mum, like, you've got to come with me. We've got to go to the chemist and get an EpiPen. Like having, having knowledge of children um, in childcare that need EpiPens when they're having swelling of the face and anaphylactic moments. Like this is what we need. Like we need to go to the chemist and get an EpiPen. So we went and the pharmacist kind of refused. He said, no, like you need to go to the hospital or go see a doctor. So we went down to our little local sort of like semi emergency doctor and they're not really like a hospital but they're just like an on-call doctor there that you could drop in that they were closed when they weren't opening for like another 15 minutes so we sat there waiting um and I ended up like I could barely speak because my throat was swelling up that much so I wrote on my phone to my mum like call an ambulance we can't wait or drive to the hospital we're not waiting so I think we started to drive and two minutes down the road I wrote another little message that said stop call an ambulance because my throat was swelling up so badly So they ended up meeting us along the side of the road and I needed two EpiPen, Epi, like adrenaline pens and I needed morphine for the pain in my jaw with the clenching and I was really, really worried about the baby then. I thought, my gosh, like if this is what's happening to my body, like what is happening to my baby? But we were really lucky. Everything was good. They um, did a little ultrasound to see that baby was fine once I was able to breathe and my jaw stopped clenching. Um, baby was fine. So we ended up having our baby on the 3rd of June in 2022. I feel like I gave wrong dates there. So we started IVF in 2021 and we had our baby in 2022. Sorry back there before when I said 22 we started it was 21 we had our daughter in June 22 I um I felt really really lucky to have an absolutely amazing birth I think I talked myself into the fact that we had a hard pregnancy we had to go oh sorry we had yeah hard pregnancy we had a hard time falling pregnant that I deserved a good birth and we did we had an absolutely amazing birth I ended up catching her in my hands and we didn't know that we're having a girl we a lot of our because a lot of our pregnancy journey had to have interventions and we had to do things like planned and timed it was nice to have a bit of a element of surprise there so when we we caught her and turned her over and saw that she was a girl we were stoked I mean we would have been stoked for a boy as well but you're just so excited to know what you have and then you can decide on that name that we hadn't really decided on. I was then about three months postpartum and thought, yep, let's do it again. Let's have another one. (laughs) So I ended up uh, emailing the IVF clinic um, questioning what we needed to do, how long we needed to wait to go for another round. And they basically said we had to at least be... Um, 
have two periods. So you've had two periods come back and you have to have stopped breastfeeding. So that was a bit of a push for me to limit my breastfeeding journey as much as that wasn't an exciting time for me. I had a lot of pain and issues there. Um, I don't think my nipples will ever be the same. <laughs> um, they were cracked and broken and so I was kind of happy to not push through with breastfeeding for too long. I was happy to kind of wean her off and get her ready to go to school in when she was six months time and knowing that I couldn't breastfeed when she was going back and knowing that the more I kind of weaned off, the more my period would potentially come back and we could start another round of IVF. So we ended up, um, it was probably actually around six months, um, around Christmas time, 2022, that we we officially sort of stopped breastfeeding and reached out to the IVF clinic again to start another round for our second baby. Uh, we didn't have to do many tests again. They were happy with where we were at and how well the first IVF round worked. We, But we had a holiday booked for April going over to Bali with family. So our IVF nurse had kind of suggested, look, why don't we wait until after the holiday um, just so that everything can line up? Because if we started in started our IVF in March, my first period in March, and we had to have many injections and just lining up the timing, we wouldn't want to miss egg collection because we were overseas or the timing's just not aligned. Um, because when our first round of IVF, we were really quite lucky that it lined up to be almost perfect with, an, with a natural cycle. First day bloods were taken when I had my period and then we had our injections for around two weeks, egg collection and um, embryo transfer it lined up to be the same as what it would have been if we were falling pregnant naturally and having like a two-week wait period in the middle of your uh, the month in your cycle to see whether you're pregnant or not. So we waited until we got back from our holiday with family and that was our second round of IVF. The needles this time weren't as hard as what I thought they were the first time around. I remember them being so much more painful. Um, but this time around, I was like, yep, okay, cool. We got this, easy. But it was this time around that I realised how much harder it was and how impactful it was on our life. Things with our IVF clinic had changed a bit and rather than just getting like your first day bloods, at any local pathology place and having your ultrasound wherever was close to home, we instead had to go into the IVF clinic, which for us is about an hour, an hour and a half away from home. So we weren't able to just have a quick little scan and blood test in the morning. We had to take like a whole day off. So it's a really tricky thing knowing that you had to have a whole day off work and I'd not long started a new job and didn't really feel comfortable telling them that this is what we were doing. So I was having days on my, I'm sick, I can't come in today. Or I would just tell them that, look, I've got a really important appointment today that I need to get to. But the thing is that because you have to have so many ultrasounds like every second day or every third day and then you've got to book in for your egg collection and then your embryo transfer. It's a lot of days that you have to have off and there are a lot of unexplained days to 
request time off work. So that was really, I found that really hard this time around and it had a lot more of an impact than what I would realise. But we, sadly that round didn't work. Um, It was really quite funny though, when we went in for our egg collection that time and so you, you go in, you get put under anaesthetic and have a little nap, come out, they tell you how many eggs they've collected. Um, actually, I should tell you how many eggs we got. So our first round of IVF, uh, we had around 15 follicles and we ended up having seven eggs collected, four were not viable Three became little embryos, um, but only one made it to transfer day. So that one little embryo became our baby. We uh, were really a little bit gutted and really um, unsure if that would work. So we ended up having one. And then our second round of IVF, we similar. We had about 17 or 16 follicles that could be seen on ultrasounds. From that, we got seven eggs again. Three didn't fertilise. Three fertilised but fertilised with abnormalities, so they weren't viable. And we ended up with just one again. One little embryo, which sadly didn't work. Um, So we are now in cycle three currently. Um, I feel like I can barely even remember these injections. They were just like, yep, cool, we got to go. Um, the only thing I found this time was I got a little bit frustrated with having like, you're like every night you have to take them at a certain time. So it was like 6.30, 7 o'clock every night. Um, so it was really restricting us to being able to go out and have dinner with family or friends because I'm like, mm, we've got to go home and do this secret little injection that no one knows about. And trying to keep it a secret because the first time we went through IVF, we were really open about it. Um, I actually started posting on my Instagram page about where we're up to, sharing videos of our injections, just as a bit of a, a debrief for me and a release of emotions and our story and our journey. It really helped a lot posting things on Instagram so we're very, really quite open about it, telling everybody, the whole wide world, we were happy to share what we were doing. Um, but the second and third time round now, we've kept it to ourselves. Uh, we, I don't know, you kind of lose that element of surprise that you get to announce a pregnancy with no one knowing that you're going through IVF. And it's nice to have that moment of surprise and to be able to share with the world a really exciting moment without sharing all the hard work behind it. Um, we, we've had to tell Ashley's, my husband, Ashley's sister, um, because as you know, those, those tests that you've got to get to sometimes, those ultrasounds can be at stupid o'clock hours in the morning um, and having to travel an hour and a half to our appointments, we're having to leave before our childcare centre opens. So we needed Annie Rebecca to come over and look after our baby while we went to appointments um and I get a little bit frustrated when like we had to tell her because I'm like I don't want to tell anybody I just want to give it a surprise 
but it's really hard to go down IVF sometimes without telling people because you do need that help and you do need that support. You need that community around you to help. And so here we are, cycle three. I have four days until our pregnancy blood test. I am feeling pretty good about it. This time around, uh, very similar to all the others, we ended up having just one embryo left. So each time that seems to be our thing, we only have one little embryo. I was listening to an IVF uh, podcast tales thing the other day and there was one lady that got like 27 eggs. And I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Um, and it was interesting to see and hear that even hers, it went from like 27 down to 15, down to seven. And like it always kind of like drops from like, an amazing amount to so little so it's interesting to hear and I think we're made me feel very lucky that each time that we've only had one one left we've been really quite lucky so I'm excited to have our next blood test to see how we're going I think it's been a really big journey for us especially for me I think obviously as the woman you're the one whose body is having these hormone injections and having to have the internal ultrasounds and having your body physically be in demand and it's kind of all on you. But I also am very aware that a lot of it is on my husband as well. Um, He's not physically going through it all, but he's right there emotionally, mentally alongside for the ride um, and sometimes it's, it's harder to be along for the ride on the sidelines because you know that there's nothing else you could do. Like I'm sure if there was an option for him to have a few little injections to boost up and help us fall pregnant, he would jump at it because he wants to be be able to help and it's hard to be that one on the sidelines that there's literally nothing else he can do. Everything's all good with his body, his... Um, Sperm count is great. He's giving great samples. So there's nothing else he can do. So to go through moments and seeing your the person you love immensely be quite broken um, and going through what we need to go through as women, as IVF, it's hard. It would be really hard. We've had many conversations about how it affects him and how it affects us as a team because we're in it together. So that is it. That is my journey so far. Um, I'd be keen to fill you in on where we go next, where we end up next, whether this one sticks or not. Um, Yeah, I think something that I would say to myself before I had IVF would be to start earlier. (laughs) Don't waste time procrastinating with that ideal whimsical thought of I just want to make love to make a baby just admit that sometimes you need help and it's okay to get that help and at the end of the day all that help is going to be worthwhile to have your baby in your arms it is the best thing in the world and we absolutely love our daughter and could not imagine life without her now she is just amazing (laughs) so we are very very thankful that we had our first round of IVF work 
And we are very hopeful in thinking and hoping that our next round of IVF will, or our current round of IVF will be successful. Well, I hope that if anything, my journey can give people a little bit of hope that these rounds can be successful. Um, but also that it kind of, in a way, it gets a little bit easier as you have like one round to another round. You're just like, yep, this is just life now and this is what we need to do to have a baby. Actually thinking, like speaking with my, my mother's group, um, a lot of them wanting to have babies again but mentally, physically not wanting to have sex again. <laughs> like having a one-year-old and the thought of trying to like specify sex for the right time of the month with ovulation and they're like oh my god like I just they're not ready for it their bodies aren't ready for it yet so in a way I feel really quite thankful that we don't have to do that um sex changes in your body in your relationship after you have a baby so in a way I feel like we're taking the easy way out having to go down IVF and not having to make sex part of a routine structure like we have to do it here we're ovulating now let's do it let's go we we just have to go down IVF um and then sex for us can come back and still be fun and not be that the way it turns when you're trying to have a baby okay well that is me that is my story and that is currently my life waiting in the two-week wait to find out if we are pregnant and willing and accepting that we may have to do another round but also loving where we are at at the moment and kind of loving the person that I have become while going through IVF it's one of those things that you you never realize or think that will be you you think oh that happens to other people that won't happen to me but it can and I don't know it's hard when you're in the moment of it to think that it's just making you a better, stronger person or your relationship stronger, even though it's so hard and gut-wrenching. And pregnancy loss is a grief journey of its own. Um, but all those things that we've been through have made me who I am today. So I am very thankful for that and thankful to share my story. Thank you for listening. Before I go, I wanted to share a story that a really great friend of mine had purchased for me um, while we were pregnant. This story is called Little Dream. Little Dream. You have always been my little dream for as long as I can remember. When I met your daddy, you were no longer my little dream. You became our little dream. We longed for you and kept our pants free, just in case you decided to arrive. We waited and we waited and we waited some more. Many times we thought you were coming and each of those times our hearts were filled with so much joy, so excited we may finally get to hold you in our arms, kiss your sweet cheeks and stare at you for hours to soak up every little detail. But alas, it was not your time. We wondered if you had lost your way. We imagined you happily skipping and dancing through fields of daisies, chasing the butterflies as they fluttered through your fingertips, busily sliding down rainbows to land softly into the white fluffy clouds below. 
or climbing big, beautiful oak trees and sitting alongside the birds to admire the magnificent views. We wondered if perhaps you had found Ryan amongst the stars and had decided to stay with him for a while longer to laugh and talk and play. We hoped you saw our wishes for you light up the night sky, buried deep within the shooting stars, and hope you felt our deep love for you from wherever you are. Good things come to those who wait. We were reminded time and time again. Everything happens for a reason. Just adopt. You're still long. Just relax. Stop thinking about it. When are you two going to have kids? Be patient and don't stress, they told us as if it was that easy. We waited oh so patiently for you, my little love, always ready to welcome you and ready for the silence of our home to be filled with the glorious sounds of your big, strong voice. As the seasons rolled into years, we remained hopeful, despite the reminder of your absence everywhere we went. We tried to keep ourselves busy. We travelled far and wide, created a magnificent garden and a home for you to explore one day. We collected many special books and clothes for you, hopeful and excited by the thought of your pending arrival. We would never stop waiting for you, no long, no matter how long you took to come. You see, from the very moment you were simply an idea, we loved you. Your very essence has been supported and nurtured by many who have come together, hoping and praying for you and believing in you that's how very special you are and when we are finally holding you in our arms my sweet love not a single day will go by where you do not feel treasured you will always be our sweet dream our rainbow our miracle finally come true one day we will read this story to you to remind you how much we always wanted you and how hard we fought to have you here with us, even when you were simply our dream, our little dream.